Welcome to the Text Lab. This is Jesse and David. Hey, everybody. We're here to do a deep dive into the text to help you prep for life groups this week. Our goal is to help you make disciples and making more disciples. So whether you're leading a life group or just trying to do some deep diving on your own, we hope this Text Lab uh, podcast is meaningful and helpful for you. So let's dive into the word today. We're going to be on John 6, 22 through 59. Let's get into it. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do, that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me. Not that anyone who has seen the father, except he who is from God, he has seen the father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Then the Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. 
Thanks, David, for uh, reading that passage. And also just thank you for inviting me back to the podcast for the longest stretch of passage ever. <laughs> and Jesse, we're just trying to make your life easier. Here, yeah, you know, I mean, giving you the longest text yeah, so far. Yeah, well, it's it's good. I mean, I, I enjoy it. And so let's let's dive into this a little bit. So we're breaking up some different sections of the narrative each week. So mm-hmm. let's talk about where we're at overall. So at this point, Jesus has already fed the 5,000. Um, the Jews want to make him king. They want to make him, uh, you know, Jesus for president kind of thing. <laughs> and then he appears to his, his disciples uh, walking on water. Um, and uh, and he, him and his disciples get to the other side of the lake. And that's where we pick things up right now. And so um, how, how did the, the crowd, how did they get here to mm-hmm. the, at this point, David? Yeah, so you see them following Jesus. The Jesus movement is big and growing again, and they're confused. Jesus, how did you get here? And if, I think it's interesting. He doesn't really explain. I walked across the lake. Um, he kind of does not give them the answer for that, especially because you see them seeking after these signs um, because they're really interested in still making Jesus king. But Jesus isn't interested in the kingdom that they're interested in. He's interested in a very different type of kingdom, which he's about to unpack. Um, and they're following him because of the Burger King they ate and because of the signs that they've seen. And it's fascinating. They ask him for another sign here. Just after he's done the 5,000, they're still just wanting more and more proof Um and really, I think in order to kind of like continue fuel the, like you said, Jesus for president movement, Jesus for king movement, but Jesus is about a different type of kingdom and he's about to make a big statement about his kingdom and his identity. Yeah. So in in 35, he says, I am the bread of life. Mm-hmm. And this is the first of the I am statements in the book of John. And so these are big statements um, that are using a lot of the same language that Yahweh, God uses in Exodus, you know, through the Ner- Moses narrative. Um, the I am who I am. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal that he actually said this. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. Big deal, big deal. Big, massive identity statement that Jesus says here. And, um, you know, Ryan Hauk, who, who spoke this last Sunday, talked about this ego me identity statement that Jesus says here, um, which I think Ryan just talked with, I was talking with him and he mentioned this where you we have to understand how the first century in these Jewish people, they would have maybe been writing in Greek, but they would have been thinking in Hebrew. I like the way he put that, writing in Greek, but they're thinking in Hebrew, just just meaning they're understanding the Old Testament story and narrative day in, day out in their life. Those are the stories they repeated to their kids before bed. That's what they talked about all of the time. They were living that story. And so when Jesus comes and says, I am the bread of life, it's clearly connecting to them back to the Moses and Exodus story again. And they would have understand understood that Jesus is saying that he is God. He had been talking about his relationship with his heavenly father, saying that he has the same authority that God has and saying that he himself is God. And so you can really see the crowd continue to kind of react to this statement because Jesus is making a massive statement about um, his divinity, that he is God. Yeah, and we, we're starting to see some repetitive themes in John at this point. So mm-hmm. the bread, feeding of the 5,000, water, yep. woman at the well, appearing to his disciples, walking on water, and then this relationship to the Father, another big theme, uh, and Jesus has already talked about it in chapter 5. And so, and then another one is belief. And so, David, why don't you explain that? Yeah, and I think just on that note of the repetition, that's just something as you're studying the book of John and kind of a exegetical tool as you're studying the Bible. It's kind of a simple tool, but a very important one is what gets said over and over again. And you can kind of read the book of John understanding John's just going to kind of say the same thing 
over and over and over again. It's kind of how Drew talks about, jokes about he preaches the same sermon every single week. That's really because we're just seeking to preach the gospel every single week. And John is kind of starting to do that same thing. So really just notice the repetition that's here in this statement. Um, notice the repetition that happens. That That's kind of just an exegetical, exegetical tool to know the repetition, especially in light of knowing the Old Testament. You won't understand what John's trying to say unless we know the Old Testament. And so um, Jesus here talks about belief that whoever believes in him has life, that entrance into this kingdom, this alternative kingdom that Jesus is talking about comes through belief. And I think it's just important that that Jesus is saying here, belief is about discipleship to him. We'll see some people start to fall away from Jesus in this part of the narrative. Um, a lot of times when we think about belief, we think about it as kind of ascribing to a set of theological statements, but that's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about continuing to follow him and be his disciple. Action, uh, surrender to Jesus as Lord, um, as God. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says belief. Well, and then the crowd at this point in 41, the crowd is really not that happy. Yeah. They wanted, like we said, we they wanted to make him king. Now they're not really sure. You know, he he's claiming to be God mm. with many subtle references, you know, throughout, you know, that he's using through the Old Testament mm-hmm. that he's speaking to these folks. And, you know, they're confused because his identity... Um, they're saying, hey, isn't this the son of Joseph and of mm. Mary? So how could he be the son of God? Yeah. And so... Um, I think there's some interesting points there. Yeah, it's interesting. They're kind of trying to track down Jesus' um, identity as Messiah based off of where he's from and still just this confusion of trying to figure out who is Jesus and who he could be based off of kind of these different things about where he came from. But primarily, I think it really just comes back to not understanding the, the main points that Jesus is making about the kingdom that he is bringing. And that's where you see really Jesus. I think it's fascinating when they're confused about like, well, Jesus, where are you from? How could this be? You're, you're the son of Joseph and Mary. He doesn't really try to explain that. Um, he, he rather explains the big concept of he is bringing a new covenant. He's bringing a new way. Um, he's bringing salvation to them. They kind of want to get caught up in all these other details, all these other things that they're trying to kind of add up, but Jesus isn't really interested in that. He's more kind of getting to the heart of it and saying, um, this is about you believing in me. Um, this is about having eternal life in me. And really he comes and says, eat me. He comes and says, says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. I mean, Jesus is kind of, it's not a whole 30 diet, Jesse, but he's giving them this prescription for belief in him, um, a diet, that spiritual diet that is built fully on eating Jesus, the bread of life. And they're confused again. They're confused again when he says that. Yeah, they're they're definitely confused. And so like, how do we eat you? You know, they talk about it in 51 and 53. Yeah, I mean, this whole idea of eating his flesh and drinking his blood um, probably sounded a little bit strange to them. And so, um, you know, I I think if I was a Jew standing there, I'd be like, what is this guy talking (laughs) about, right? Yeah, totally. And I think like it's this fascinating parallel because I think they would have been confused, but I think they were also starting to get it. He's using these I am statements, but they're not quite sure how it all works out. And I think that's part of what Jesus is doing here is he's saying there's a new way, um, a salvation that is now in Christ. There's kind of these links to um, communion. 
then the the communion table and um, kind of conceptually linking us eating Christ's flesh and drinking his blood. What we mean by that, though, metaphorically, his death and his resurrection, his flesh that was broken for us, his blood that was spilled for us. And he's there's foreshadowing here, here that's pointing to the cross. Um, even in John chapter 6, that, that Christ's body, his flesh will be broken, his blood will be spilled. And by eating, Jesus is saying, believing, accepting fully, embracing this fully, this imagery that Jesus is using to talk about salvation and, and ultimately that Jesus is saying that he is the true manna. Exodus 16 is where the manna story um, and the Exodus story is kind of unfolding where manna comes down from heaven and Jesus is now saying, I have come down from heaven. Manna given by God the Father to, for the people of Israel. Jesus says, I am given from God the Father for the people of Israel um, and salvation is found only in Christ. And so as we kind of think about these, some big concepts here, big idea, I think that really is that Jesus is God, that Jesus is the true manna, salvation, life, um, only found in Jesus. What does that kind of mean for us today? Jesse, what's your take on that? What does that really kind of practically play out in our lives? Yeah, I really, for me personally, it seems like for me, when I, as I read this passage, um, it, it really showcases Jesus changing the game into mm. the practical nature of, you know, hey, back in the Old Testament, folks needed to be fed. So God gave them manna. But yeah. now there's eternal life to be had, yeah. and God decides, let's give them Jesus. Mm. And I think oftentimes we replace those pra- that practical um, those practical needs with other things besides yeah. Jesus. We still want manna. We want the manna, yeah. right? Yeah, and yeah. so now Jesus is coming in here saying these radical things, and it's like, okay, all he's saying is, hey, believe in me. I'm the all that you need. Yeah. But we're really good at filling our lives up with other stuff, mm-hmm. you know, social media, polarizing politics, whatever it might sports, be. Sports, money. Yeah, all those things. And so now it, it's a really a big paradigm shift in, hey, this is the new way of believing in God and how you have eternal life. And so yeah. uh, that's the practical takeaway yeah. for me. That's so good, Jesse, because even it's interesting here, the crowd starts grumbling and from the Exodus story, we know that Israel grumbles uh, continually over and over again about manna, about water that they're getting. And there's really this grumbling because are they going to trust in themselves and what uh, they want to kind of just grab onto and hold on to, And almost to the point where they say, let's go back to Egypt. It was better there. Or are they going to trust in God um, who has promised that he's with them, but they can't see in the same way and they can't feel in the same way. And I think the the tension is there totally for ourselves each and every day. I mean, I think I, I pull a similar application of what does it look like for me to truly feast on Christ today? Um, so there's this part of salvation that is believing in Jesus. And there's a part of salvation that definitely comes into play after we die. But salvation isn't for after we die. Salvation is for today and continues after we die. So our, our salvation is, is Christ is saving us today. We enter into salvation today in Christ. It's a new life, a new reality. And exactly what you just said, am I feasting on Jesus as the bread of life, the only one that satisfi- satisfies my soul, the only one that truly gives life? Or am I substituting that for manna that leaves me hungry? Um, Gosh, and that plays out, like you said, in so many little ways, I think, all throughout the day. Um, idols that I turn to, um, ways I want to distract myself, ways I want to just escape and numb myself. Um, 
towards things that glitter and things that are exciting um, and things that I just kind of want to spend my time and my energy on. But I think Jesus is truly inviting us to a better feast, um, to feast on him himself as the bread of life. I think a couple questions for your life group to think about this week is one, what does it look like to feast on Jesus as the bread of life? Just very practically in a COVID world, in a world that is sometimes full of a lot of stress and anxiety, what does it look like to feed on Jesus, um, the bread of life, rather than other things, rather than other manna that we might try and turn to? Um, I think a second question is, if Jesus claims that he's God, um, what response does that demand from us? Jesus is saying, I am God. Nobody can get around that. Everybody in the whole world has to wrestle with this statement that Jesus says that he is God and make a choice about whether they actually believe that or not. And so another question for your group just to wrestle with is, is Jesus is God. Um, what does that demand from us? What type of response does that demand uh, from us in our lives? Um, so hopefully those are just some questions to fuel, fuel really discussion for your group this week. Yeah. Thanks, for guys, for joining us and spending time with us. Our promise to you is that we're always going to do our best to make this time valuable for you and as the leader and if this helped you in any way uh, just let us know we'd love to hear hear from you guys um yeah absolutely whether you are mowing the lawn at the gym driving whatever you do while you listen to your podcast we really hope you feel equipped encouraged ready to walk through the text with your group this week and as always do your own prep let the spirit lead you and know that you are the one who sent this week into your group into your family into your prayer watch communities wherever God invites you be the living proof of our loving God we love you guys we'll catch you next time on the text lab <laughs>